Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hi, PCC. We're the Coxes serving in Ethiopia. Good morning, everyone. Let's open our Bible to 1 Peter 5. We'll be reading from verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Good morning, PCC, and welcome to May. I'm so grateful that we have this time together, and I can't believe we're actually wrapping up this series in First Peter. Uh, I am so thankful for how God has taken us through the book of 1 Peter, especially at this time. And can I just tell you how grateful I am, I know I represent the staff, how grateful we are when we hear reports of how you're doing and how you're wrestling through this. And here's the big thing, staying faithful. Thank you so much for the way you are gathering, growing, giving, and going during this unprecedented time. You know, the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, who's an expert in immunology, her name is Dr. Deborah Burks. She was given a White House briefing on the disease, and she called this disease a virus we can't see. I was thinking about that and going, wow, there's multiple ways in viruses out there we can't see. There's obviously the the pandemic and COVID-19, but then there's the emotional weight that we can't see that's hitting all of us. And especially for those of you who have kids in your home or for teenagers who are doing school online or grammar school kids doing school online, for those of you in the network who are sheltering in place in your apartment and you're lonely and there's the, the, uh, just the barrage of emotional weight around that. But then there's a spiritual pandemic that we can't see where the enemy, and we have an enemy, that's what we're gonna talk about today, is wreaking havoc, just completely uh, taking us in our vulnerability and, and, and ploying, if that's a word, on us. Dr. Tony Evans, who's a pastor in Texas, he said something during this pandemic that really landed with me, and I'm holding on to it. He says, everything visible and physical is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. And then he went on to say, if all you see is what you see, you do not see all that is to be seen. That's good, isn't it? I want to ask you a question and invite you to gather with people around this question. Uh, Beyond the obvious, go a layer deeper. How has this pandemic disrupted you? How does the fact that we're still sheltered in place for another month messing with your psyche? How is it challenging relationships? Take a minute in vulnerability and talk amongst yourselves. If you're alone, ponder that 
by yourself and we'll come back in 90 seconds. Robert Murray McShane was an old Scottish preacher, and he said this, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I wouldn't fear a million enemies. Yet the distance makes no difference. Jesus is still praying for me. That gives me such encouragement. Now, 30 years later, after that incident, Peter is writing, and he closes in 1 Peter chapter 5, and he closes in verse 8, saying this, if you're going to fight this unseen enemy, you have to be aware of some things. Here's the first thing he says. You need to know yourself. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Let's slow down and take that a little bit slower. Be alert. You know what the word means? He's saying, wake up. Wake up. Uh, This crisis that we're in, has it not woken us up to some realities? So much woken me up to the overdependence I have on my freedom, on the overdependence I, and the hope I put in my retirement account. Uh, it's woken me up to my breathless pace, to woken me up to the value of community now that it's been taken away. You know what's really woken me up about? How much uh, before the shelter in place our environment was hurting. I'm looking at images and pictures of the skies clearing and what have you. But my question for us is, has this woken us up spiritually? See, the moment we give our life to Christ, so much happens in an instant. So many new things. Uh, You're under new ownership. Jesus now calls the shots in your life. You have a new family. It's called the family of faith. We have a new internal operating system that Jesus places in us that gives us a new power source and a new perspective. And the reality is, when you give your life to Christ, you get a new enemy. You get a new enemy. Yeah, Satan himself in the demonic realm. And some of you are listening to this, watching this going, is this 2020? Are you kidding me right now? Is he really talking about demons and Satan? You need to know that the scriptures teach that just as there are uh, holy angels, there are evil angelic beings and they're under the rule of a superior angelic being 
His name is Satan. And it's all over scripture, friends. And so, yes, we are talking about that reality. And you need to know this. He, if you're following Christ, he hates you. Now, don't take it personally. It's not you uh, that he's really hating. He hates God. And he knows he can't take God down. So he's going after the, the closest thing to the heart of God, his children. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief, he called Satan a thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his threefold plan for our life. And Jesus called him a thief. Our family just installed um, about a month ago, a sec- uh, two months ago, before the shelter in place, a security system called Simply Safe. And I remember I was ordering it, and every, um, every, every element that went on the windows cost more money. And so I just asked the person, well, how many of these things do I need? Do I need them for every window on my first floor? And the woman told me, Mr. Gadini, a thief only needs one little crack to break into your house. I would recommend every window has a monitor on it for you. You know, as I was installing that system, I was thinking, gosh, am I as vigilant? Am I awake, to use Peter's term, am I alert to my spiritual life and the attacks of the enemy, the spiritual thief, as I am guarding my house and locking the doors at night and making sure the windows are closed and turning on the security system? What do I mean by that? Uh, Paul, a friend of Peter's, in a book called Ephesians, wrote to a community, and he said this, a community of Christians. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27, he said, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then he said this, Don't give the devil a foothold. Isn't that interesting? He's talking about something happening horizontally and suddenly he brings in the spiritual element saying, you're actually giving the devil a foothold when you do this. What's a foothold? How does a thief wedge his way in to a spiritual community or into the life of a follower of Christ? I watched a movie about mm, two months ago. My daughter, my oldest daughter recommended it. It's called Free Solo. I would highly recommend this movie. It's a story of Alex Honnold. Alex climbed the face of the world's most famous rock, El Capitan, in Yosemite. 3,000 feet vertical. And get this, he solo climbed it, which means no ropes whatsoever. And he did it in just under four hours. I'm telling you, his climb was the most intense 15 minutes of film I've ever sat before. And what I watched him do is looking on the face of El Capitan and just looking for just a little, a little ledge to put his fingers on or put his fingers in or put his toes on. The toe part is a foothold. It's just a little ledge. And that's what Peter's, I'm sorry, uh, Paul is warning against in Ephesians 4. When we just leave a crack open spiritually. How do we do that, you ask? Well, back in Ephesians 4, suddenly there was, uh, not suddenly, but there was anger, out-of-bounds anger that was unconfessed. And Paul said, you're giving the devil a foothold when you let him, uh, just a, a latch into your life when you don't confess that. Unforgiveness, holding on to grudges when the Holy Spirit is convicting you of saying, let it go, forgive. That can give the enemy a foothold. Excusing my sin. 
When I'm under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, belittling it, relabeling it, that can give the devil a foothold. Uh, any, uh, what I call, stiff-arming of the Holy Spirit, that can give the devil a foothold. And so Peter says, you know what, wake up. There is a spiritual reality out there you need to be aware of. And then he goes on to say, be of sober mind. You know, it's interesting, that word, be of sober mind, in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, and he uses it three times in the book, it literally means be unintoxicated. Be unintoxicated. Uh, Peter's point is, our enemy is the master of deception. And so you need to be spiritually sober and aware and alert because God has outfitted us, we'll get to this in the end, to fight this enemy and to not live in fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. But we need to be unintoxicated. We need to be uh, of sober mind. And you know how you live unintoxicated? By your diet, your spiritual diet. You take the Word of God just like Jesus did in Matthew 4, and you digest God's Word on a regular basis. You let the Word of God be your lens with how you see the world. You let the Word of God be your guardrails for how you live your life within the freedom of that. Peter is saying, stay alert, wake up, you have a spiritual enemy, and be of sober mind, know his tactics. Satan has not changed. His demonic hosts have not changed their tactics from Genesis when he first appeared in the Garden of Eden to Matthew when he appeared to Jesus in the desert to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. He's all over the place. His tactics are still the same. Are you aware of them? Do you understand the spiritual deception? Because you're so inundated and saturated with the truth of the Word of God. You know, I see unseen spiritual forces playing and using this unseen virus uh, in ways that can be intoxicating. You know, our culture is all about, um, and, and some of this is healthy, but I think some of this goes overboard, binge-watching Netflix or binge-watching different, different things or, uh, you know, pornography use is going through the roof. And alcohol abuse, alcohol sales are up, I told you this a couple weeks ago, 42% since the pandemic. What if, and I just want to paint this picture for us, what if the narrative of the crisis isn't in your life, when you look back at this years from now, what if the narrative isn't, wow, I did a lot of binge watching and sure took in a lot of media? What if the narrative isn't, uh, isn't, is more than just your waistline expanding? What if the narrative is that relationships are growing during that time? And the narrative was like, you know what? My heart for Christ grew during that time. My character grew because I leveraged the time that I suddenly had to engage in spiritual disciplines. What if it was that my relationships grew? My prayer life grew? Friends, that could be the narrative that plays out. You don't need to white knuckle through this pandemic. Be alert. And be of sober mind. Know yourself. And then Peter goes on to say, now know your enemy. Look what he says as he continues on in 1 Peter chapter 5. Your, it's personal. This is your enemy. It's not God's enemy. It's not angel's enemy alone. It's your enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone. And in my Bible, I crossed out someone. I put my name in there. Looking for Gary to devour. 
you know, as we talk about knowing yourself, you may not know yourself very well, but I want to guarantee you something. Your enemy knows you really well. He knows you're, uh, where you're susceptible. He knows uh, the buttons to push. Now, I don't want you to live in fear in that, because we'll see in a minute, there's one in us greater than him who's opposing us. But you've got to know your enemy. And here's what, the, uh, here's what Peter says. Here's the first thing. He stalks his prey. He says, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. You know, to research this, my, one of my daughters and I watched on YouTube uh, lions stalking their prey in Africa. And they were all the same. As a matter of fact, we couldn't watch it all because it was really gross. But, and I won't show you the video. But uh, a lion would look at a herd of zebras and just looking for the weak one looking for the one who was just isolated, looking for the one who was vulnerable, who was smaller, who was staying away from the herd. And I just thought about that. I, got, I thought, my goodness, our arch enemy is doing the same for us. He's stalking, looking for the one who's isolated, who's not in a growth group, looking for the one who thinks, oh, you know what, half-hearted devotion to Christ, that's fine. Looking for the one harboring hidden compromise, stalking around. And then the second thing he says is this, he not only stalks his prey, he devours his prey. And it says this, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That word means to destroy and to ruin completely. Oh, you got to believe this, that this arch enemy of yours he doesn't want just to hurt you or make your life miserable or just uh, make you uncomfortable. He wants to completely, viciously devour us. And you see it all the time. You see it all the time. And so I want to ask you a question. Uh, what is it he wants to devour? What is it the enemy's at? In other words, what is the epicenter of the enemy's attacks? I put it this way, and I want you to discuss this, or if you're alone, ponder this. What is it that's closest to the heart of God that's in the crosshairs of the enemy's sight? Take 90 seconds and talk about that or think about that if you're alone.
You know what is in the crosshair of the enemy's sights? Intimacy and unity. He wants to completely devour your intimacy with God, your intimacy with yourself, and live it into your identity. He wants to devour any sense of unity amongst roommates, any sense of unity in a home, if there's a marriage in that home that's endeavoring to be Christ-centered, any sense of unity with teenagers amongst their friends or in a youth group, any sense of unity in a small group, or you ask anyone that's gone on a global expedition with a spiritual cause, and they will tell you about the attack of the enemy to get after the unity amongst uh, the teammates on that global expedition. The enemy would love to get after what is closest to the heart of God, intimacy with God, and unity amongst his followers. You might be thinking, gosh, geez, this is pretty gross. I mean, you've told me about lions eating their prey and burglars breaking into homes. Listen, I'm not trying to be uh, overboard on this, but I am trying to be as grave as I can because I feel like, church, we need to be aware of ourself and our identity in Christ, stay alert and unintoxicated in our mind, and we need to be aware of our enemy's scheme. We all, many of us, love uh, sports, right? And even down to Little League, those teams go on the field knowing that they need a great defense. Do you know the same as a follower of Christ? Do you know the opponent you're facing? I want to close this way in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, and I want to give you a great offense to oppose that enemy. First of all, 1 John 4, 4 says, You dear children are from God. You've overcome them. And here's what I want you to hear. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Look, I have a lot of respect for the demonic realm. And I have a lot of respect for Satan. I don't think I've ever had a satanic encounter. I know I've had a demonic encounter. And most of them are around a a truth encounter and deception coming my way. And I want you to know that while I respect my enemy, uh, I don't fear my enemy at all because God has outfitted me for this. And I want to outfit you from his word. How is it that we stand against this enemy? Around PCC, we call it a G4 pathway. You remember this, right? You prioritize gathering. You're doing that right now. You don't fight alone, right? You're known in a community. You prioritize growing. You're standing on the Word of God in community. That's how, that's how we fight, because circles really are better than rows when you're in a community where people know you, and they know your vulnerabilities, and they're fighting with you. You prioritize giving by serving and relinquishing your resources for the kingdom. Because you know what? The pride is the enemy's signature sin. And when I'm giving my life away and my time away and my resources away, it's keeping me humble and dependent on God. And it is a, it is a defensive blow to the enemy. And then you're prioritizing going. Following Jesus into a world he loves with the incredible message of hope. You prioritize the G4 pathway we've created, I promise you, it will go a long way in standing against the enemy. If you go to our website and click grow, you can see that pathway and the resources we have to equip you in that. Well, let me take the last three verses in 1 Peter 5, and let me read them for us, because this is how Peter closes his book. He says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, in him is the enemy, 
because you know that the family of believers around the world, and my goodness, if we could ever say this, it's now. The family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. He points to community, and, and then he says, in the God of all grace, just think about that, all grace. His grace is greater than when you stumble and fall, and you're going to stumble and fall. But Jesus is praying for you. Remember, just because you fail, you're not a failure. Your faith doesn't need to fail. Your faith can endure. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And I love, Peter says, to him be power forever and ever. Amen. I want you to know there's going to be a day when Jesus himself, when we breathe our last breath, or when he returns and we're still alive, he himself will be the one who restores us, makes us strong, firm, and steadfast. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close with a song that's actually a blessing for you. It was sung originally at Easter by uh, the worship teams from four different churches here on the peninsula. I want you to ponder these things. And the reason I wanted this song to be sung is because of the refrain, God is for you. Friends, we have an enemy, but we don't need to fear that lion because our God is a greater lion than the roaring one Peter talked about. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is for us. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this book. I thank you for each person uh, who are, who's watching right now. God, I pray against the enemy's lies, and I pray that your truth would prevail. Father, that because of who you are, we would stand firm in community, that we would prioritize and wake up to let the narrative of these times be one of spiritually thriving. Father, we confess areas that we have let our guard down and we renew our minds today anew and afresh to follow you in the grace that you've made available to us here at PCC. So we love you. I pray blessing on my friends, on my spiritual family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.